Come on, bitch, 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 let's go. Come on, get, get, get ready, bitches. Yes. So I've been really concerned about little rich blue blood Andrew. Um, And I know that so many of the fans on the Patreon love him and they're concerned about him too. Um, I just want to see if we can get him on the phone just to see how he's doing. Okay. So could you arrange a phone call please uh, right now on the show and call Andrew? For sure. Andrew? Yes, I'm right here. Honey, how are you? Hanging in there, hanging in there. Do you want to um do you want to share with what happened with you just briefly so everybody that may not be aware of it knows cuz um I've been so worried about you and uh the you know some of the people on the Patreon know uh the diamonds know how worried I've been. So Um, how uh, you want to talk about what happened? I'll talk about it for a little bit. I don't want to damper the moon to mood too much, but unfortunately I lost someone pretty big in my life. They were my biggest supporter. And, um, unfortunately they're no longer with us, unfortunately. And I had to take a little break from just the whole world of what we do for a couple, for a couple months, just to gather my thoughts again, but I'm here, I'm excited. And, uh, that's about it really. I'm, I'm so, um, I'm so glad. And I want to help you focus your attention, um, on something, you know, not sad and, and I want to be here for you in any way that I can. We love you and, you know, we're here to support you and I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you. That means so much coming from you too. All right. Yeah. All right. So should we uh, talk some gossip to get your mind a little bit freer and, you know, just take it off things for a little bit? Absolutely. Let's do that. I love it. Let's talk about your obsession of the moment, Miss Selling Sunset season five on Netflix. I am obsessed with Selling Sunset. And I like, I know it's just out of the blue here. It came this obsession. Um, uh, Casey, have you seen Selling Sunset? Yeah, my um, one of the bosses that I have in Los Angeles, they sold uh, the house right next door. So they were there for a while. Oh, did they really? Okay, tell us this story quickly, because part of this episode is about whether or not Selling Sunset is bullshit or not. Is it real? Is it fake? What the hell is going on with this show? Okay, so um, please please tell me the story if you don't mind, like um, anything they witnessed. <laughs> I, I think, uh, I mean, they definitely owned the, the home and they flipped it really, really fast and they sold it. Um, and they were there. Were the, but a, a cast member from Selling the two, Sunset? The two guys, the, the brothers were there a lot. Um, this was before the f- first season even aired. Um, 
It's the A-frame house from the first season. I I never watched the show, so I don't actually know, but I, I know that a lot of people told me that this house was in it. So this is Brett, uh, Jason, and Brett Oppenheim, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so and it they, was above Sunset. It was above the Comedy Store. So I don't know. And they flipped it. They they bought it and they actually were like renovating it and flipped it. Yeah, and they did it really really fast. I think they probably only owned it for you know six six to nine months. Wow. Oh, oh sorry. Go ahead. Casey, that brings up a really interesting point about Brett, who is there. So as we know that Brett is pictured on the show that he like works for the Oppenheimer group or whatever it's called. I'm sorry. It's you'll see what I'm getting in a sec. Oppenheim. Now he actually left about two years ago to make his own real estate brokerage firm called Oppenheim real estate. So that's something kind of interesting and they don't really tell you that on the show. So they kind of picture it like he's still part of the group, which I think is. So he left his brother, uh, Jason, to go form his own brokerage firm. Yeah, about two years ago, about two years ago. Yeah. So, so that's weird. Cause they really don't like, they seem like they t- are a team. Yeah. It's really weird. Like, uh, and I mean, this is all vetted information. You, and when you, cause like when I was doing the research for this and I was like, look at the LLCs and everything and the fact is tax and records and all that stuff. It was like, he did not work for the group anymore. He's created his own. But I also think that like Netflix had an impact on that because it, it, this was in the right in the middle of their um <clears throat> there was right this was right in the middle of the Netflix tenure we're gonna say you know well he's not on the show that much Brett yeah but he used to be like let's say like first season he was on it a little bit more I think. Yeah. So maybe he was like seeing if it was right for him, his girlfriend. And did you see uh, season five? Yes, I've seen the entire thing against my will. Me too. I, I binge watched it. So I thought it was really wild, like Brett's Brett and his girlfriend's like interaction. It was like yeah. it, it was like purely sex. Like there was no other, <laughs> like nothing else happening there. It was like he was buying her fancy stuff and taking her on a nice vacation. And like she was just like his side piece. And that was it. Like there was no other depth to that whatsoever. <laughs> At least was, they didn't depict it. I was watching that girl and I was thinking, oh, wow, Vegas call girls have really gone up in life. Like. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I have to say that Jason and Brett, uh, you know, they, they definitely are the epitome of a Los Angeles guy. Like they are, are, you know, the, the, the narcissistic, like totally self-absorbed, you know, always coming up with an excuse as to why they can't settle down, you know, because of something bigger and better, you know, coming like just, but what it comes down to is just, you know, emotionally broken and unable to connect with anyone, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Literally sounds like my nightmare as hopefully it sounds like to everybody else. (laughs) I maybe, I think I said this the last time I was here. My goal in life is to become a homemaker. I have just determined homemaking is the thing for me. Like and to see these people, like, I'm so sorry. I was just thinking about this the other day when I was watching the show in, pre- in preparation for this episode. I was like, wow, I wonder if that girl can make a chicken. Like, not saying that women can, can have careers outside. I, all from having women having 
female having careers and female empowerment, all that stuff. But it would really serve her in life if she can make herself her own chicken, you know? Jason um, is, just so you know, like these types of guys in LA, you could be like the most perfect all around girl, okay? And they are just going to eventually leave you. It's just the way it goes. It's got nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them, no matter how much chicken you cook. (laughs) I swear to God. Okay. So I, I don't believe, I first of all need to know if you've heard any tea about Jason Oppenheim and that uh, Chriselle uh, Strauss girl. Stoss, excuse me. Is she, is she really with him or what is the story there? Tell me. What do you think? What what I heard and what I think are a little conflicting. I think it was just for the show because like, okay, I think Netflix, again, I think like if we go into the business side of Netflix, they do not know how to do a show long term. So when we see like Selling Sunset going into its fifth season so fast, Keep in mind, the show came out in 2018 and to, to slash 2019. So like they're pumping out seasons faster than they know how to deal with. So that's why I think this season we saw so many fake and scripted storylines. And I think the Chriselle, Chriselle Strauss storyline was completely falsified to give the season substance, in my opinion. Well, it was a great idea, except I... You know, I had some issues with it because I looked at Chriselle's exes and they're all like tall, really handsome. <laughs> and no, I mean, I... no offense to Jason, but Jason's like five foot four. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So like if she was tiny, I'd get it. But like she's towering over him. Like it made me uncomfortable watching them stand together even. You know what I mean? I know that's really bad that I'm saying that out loud. But I, I have to. It's like it was it's giving. The truth. It, it was the truth. I'm just like, there's no way a girl like, no matter how much dough and power that guy has, it's just there's something else that this is about. You know what I mean? Like it's about something else. So I that's why I really struggled with it. And I don't know. I just didn't see him as the big heartbreaker they were trying to make him into on the show. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Yeah. So I have, uh, I had some tea. I spilled this on a bonus audio a few weeks ago, but I have a funny tea thing for you. Okay. First tea is that Chriselle Strauss is now dating the non-binary rapper G Flip from Australia. Yeah. Okay. And now here's another one. Guess who's a realtor associate at the Oppenheim group? Hmm. Some girl on Bling Empire. No, Kane Lim from Bling Empire. Is there another one oh, really? from Bling Empire? Yes. Wow. No. Yes. Dana, I completely guessed. I did not hear the Patreon episode. I was just thinking of other trashy Netflix reality shows. Oh my God. No, it's so, he literally, I don't know. Like, you know, he's on another Netflix show, but he's on Bling Empire as this like crazy, you know, power guy. Shoe yeah, he's, isn't he supposed to be a billionaire? Anyway, I know we we've covered in the Patreon that he isn't really a billionaire, and his dad went bankrupt and all this stuff. But all fun stuff, yeah, right. But I have to say, like, he's a realtor associate. <laughs> like, not even a realtor. Like, we're at an associate level here. 
Yes. At Oppenheim group. I died. I died, died, died. Like how, you know, I'm sure Netflix has a similar role to Bravo. Like we're not going to intermix shows, but like accident, you should see his picture on the Oppenheim group site. He's wearing a gold jacket. That's like solid gold. Do you remember like the solid gold? You probably, you would never remember this, but there was a show called solid gold and they would wear like everything was gold. All the costumes were gold and everything. This is what, uh, Kane Lim's jacket is it's like solid gold (laughs) and he's wearing a black shirt and he has an earring and like a giant diamond earring and yeah and it says Kane Lim is one of the hottest breakout stars of the Netflix series Bling Empire like does that make you want to buy a house from him (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry I like my real estate I like my real estate agents like I like looking at like pro golfers. Like I just want them to look like a pro former pro golfer. No, it's just so stupid that that's the first <laughs> sentence for a realtor. You know what I'm like saying? Dana, like, Dana, yeah. Yes. Welcome to like LA, buy, everybody. <laughs> would you like to buy a $75 million house from a man who's been injected more than I would say Zsa Zsa Gabor? Well, not only that, but he only sold his house for 2 million. So <laughs> based on what they're doing over it, what they're, they're touting on Netflix. They do a lot bigger than that. Um, it says that he's an experienced real estate developer. That's that his dad is actually um, an agent. Kane has most recently developed and sold three properties. Wow. A whole three in the wow. upscale of Los Angeles uh, that made it on the website in Venice beach. He has recently focused his attention on residential projects and commercial properties in Asia. So it's funny because uh, Venice Beach, I wonder if he lives there because that area is really hard to do unless you live there. It's a very quirky neighborhood over there. Oh, wow. Um, I'm looking at it right now as we speak. Yeah. Wow. Also, his photo is incredibly airbrushed. I, I told everyone. you. <laughs> it's like a like, movie poster. <laughs> not even like a good movie poster. Like when you say movie poster, we think of glamour, Scarlett Johansson, like running to this like photo. He looks like this was taken from like an off-brand Getty image photo that like he selected and then airbrushed himself. It's so true. It's so true. Anyway, I, I don't know. I, the Oppenheim Group's real estate website, as you go down the list of the team, they have Newport Beach and West Hollywood on it. So they are like, there is, I guess, a legitimate Newport Beach office. Some people questioned whether the office was actually- I want to in- talk about the Newport Beach office for a second. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Okay, because as you guys know, I'm in Washington and I have been always very involved with politics my entire life. My dad forced it on me to be. Um, and I was talking with someone who I knew and they we had a mutual connection and um, they work for someone in Michelle Steele's office, which is representing California's 42nd uh, congressional district, which is Newport, Orange County. Like, think of that. Um and we were talking and they were like, we're planning on launching an investigation and basically looking at how legitimate their real estate business is in Newport, because we feel that it's bringing a lot of negative attention to the community and they're using it as tax brackets because or taxes in Orange County are a lot less than other parts and are a lot less than in other parts of Los Angeles, Los Angeles area for corporate taxing, I learned, for real estate groups and real estate law is a lot linear in Orange County for some reason. I did not know this until two weeks ago. 
But yeah, if you would like to thank Michelle Steele for doing a great job and giving us probably two more storylines next season, call her up and congratulate her because that's what I plan on doing. I love it. And when I go on the Newport Beach, uh, their website, they have their team of agents on there. Some of them overlap with the uh, LA office, I noticed. Um, So they must be selling also uh, in Orange County. That's a Um, long commute. I'm just thinking about that for a second. Imagine if you're showing a house and like mm, somewhere in Los Angeles and you have to drive down to like Newport, like Coves. That's like, Hour and a half. Yeah. That's an hour and a half. And that's like if there's no traffic. Mm -hmm. Well, they have two dogs. So you could get an agent. Um, They have their in house barkitect, Zelda. Oh, I saw that. And Nico, the director of public relations. (laughs) That is the most LA thing I've ever seen. I am so. No, it's stupid. Uh, (laughs) Everybody on the West Coast, I would just like to say, I know this is not an accurate representation of any company on the West Coast. But unfortunately, it's the representation I'm seeing. So how about you change that? (laughs) It's so bizarre. It really, really is. Well, I don't know. Um, I some people believe the offices weren't real. So I did, you know, check and see, like, did Oppenheim Group just like rent out a space for a short period of time for the show on Sunset Plaza? Because there is like always like some retail space like available there because it's very expensive to rent. Um, But, you know, I did do a random, uh, you know, Google map because my I have I like I guess I could just call my friends and be like drive down sunset. But anyway, it's right next to Chin Chin and it shows up there. So I do think that they have their offices at Sunset Plaza next to Chin Chin's and that's real. Um, but yeah, it's a really strange, uh, thing. I, I don't understand. I don't understand whether the show like is Christine Quinn really that evil or do you think that's acting? Okay. I think she is one, not actually that evil. I think, I think somebody, she just really liked reality television before this and knew to come in and to keep a spot because, okay, when you're looking at reality television and you're going in, first of all, no one goes into reality television saying, oh, I'm doing it, you know, just for the fun of it. You're doing it probably as a business opportunity and you're trying to look at the longevity of a business opportunity. And especially in a show show like Selling Sunset, where you're using your business platform to launch other things. You know that this is a storyline. This isn't like a flipping house store show. This is a selling, this is like essentially like a million dollar listing New York or a million dollar listing, you know, spinoff. Basically it's Netflix's version of that. So she was probably thinking, okay, what can I do to construct the most watchable um, reality television character? And I think she, she achieved that realistically. And then I think she realized to herself that, oh, this is actually like hard and not easy. Because if you look at it and you look at, she took, I feel like her, Christine took elements of Snooki, Teresa Judais. Like, I mean, people we think of as hallmarks of reality television, she took parts that fans loved and hated and made them so polarizing and put it together to make this one tornado of a woman who is completely unbearable, but makes a villain after every single season, you know, if that makes any sense. Yes. And I, I mean, the show to me, there was no show without Christine, like, honestly. 
Yeah. She's, she's just, I loved her fashion. <laughs> you love her fashion. Yeah. Cause it's just crazy. It's like, it's so crazy. I loved it because I, I like, I mean, what am I looking at the other girls for like Emma Hernan? Okay. She, she, I'm looking at her. Like she's very intelligent. She's, you know, I don't know. She's successful in real estate. She's got like a banging body. She, she weighs like zero pounds, but I mean, what's exciting about that? Right. Like nothing. I swear. Like, okay. Can we talk about the background music for a second? It's like legitimately, absolutely no one, legitimately no one. The music on Selling Sunset. My energy is rich. I walk like I'm that bitch. Gucci Prada Fendi purses every day. I'm going to buy that bag on road. I'm going to sell that house on Mardeo Drive. Like literally, <laughs> I don't believe that stuff is actual music. I cannot believe that. Or it's copying or it's partially copying Dana's song. Like, Yeah, it does sound like they copied 25,000. <laughs> Come on, bitch, 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 let's go. Honestly, Dana, I love you. I love you so much. And I do jam out to that song. It is on a playlist of mine. But I would not be surprised if they asked for the licensing fees for that song. Like, oh, God, from your mouth to God's ears. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I did like the new character, Chelsea uh, Lizgani. Isn't that the new girl? Yeah. 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 I liked her. I she totally screamed like a real Brit. Like she really brought the British like I have so many friends that act like her in London. So I was like, okay, that one's real. I like her. Um, yeah. And she, I did like that she was good at navigating the politics. She could like get in, be a part of the fight and then pull out politically really well. And I thought that was really cool. She knew all the cards to pull, you know, she was a se- she's seasoned at reality. Like she definitely has watched Actually, let's look at her. What the hell has she done? Let's look at her. <laughs> I was just looking at this girl and I was like looking at the season and I was thinking, how has it been five seasons of this show? That was my question. That like realistically, the show is so new. And then I was just thinking, Real Housewives of Potomac just wrapped on season six is just, we finished season six. So I was just thinking, comparing the two, they're both, you know, kind of similar in season seasons. And I was like, oh, wow, what am I watching? Like, this is, I mean, I think Netflix is creating a show, Reality World. They're, first of all, I don't think Netflix knows what they're getting into with reality television. I think that's evident by the shows they're producing for reality television. And then also, I don't think that they know the pipeline on when to release it because we've had release dates for this show legitimately all everywhere. And then also, I'm waiting for the Selling Sunset spinoff which there is going to be one. Like, I, hope well, I, I think, yeah, I, I have this theory, which is uh, Christine Quinn is going to open a broker firm and they're going to add this element of like Oppenheim group versus Christine Quinn's firm. And See, it's going to be like two head to head firms in real estate fighting it out. Like, like what happened in the storyline of Showtime's billionaires. That yeah. happens in that show. I think that they're going to do that. And that's why I, I I think she's been removed from the website of Oppenheim Group because they're going to like get the fans going by launching her on her own. Because she well, says, remember at the end, she sets it up. She's like, I think it's time for me to start my own brokerage firm. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, yeah. and if you ask me before the season, we ended on season four because I knew there was going to be a spinoff by season three. I looked at how fast the show was in popularity and my original gap prediction was before the whole Christine thing was that they were going to do uh, like Cl- Courtney and Chloe take Miami or one of those stupid things. It was going to be like the Oppenheimer group takes New York City by storm and busts on to a brand new market or something like that taking our wealthy clientele, you know, and it was going to be like the whole thing. Basically they do New York city or they do Miami, like one of those places. And they try to open up a new one and then they have like, you know, Brett or whatever, whatever his stupid name is. Um, like do, talking over the phone, like saying, well, we need to sell more units this month or something like that. You know? Yeah. But I do agree with you. Now I think it's going to be the whole, like pitting the two against each other. Yeah. Two firms. <laughs> um, so I was just looking up, her husband, um, Chelsea's husband, because he was kind of a, he showed up a little bit on the season. Um, his name is Jeff Lascani. That one of the fans said, how could he have gotten Kanye West's house if he only makes a hundred thousand? Um, and then uh, somebody else said, that his company made a 15 million in billings. I would just like to point out Davinia or wait, sorry, Davinia. I can't pronounce that woman's name today. Sorry. Has still not sold her $75 million house. If anybody is feeling bad about themselves today, please know that, that she still hasn't sold that $75 million house. And we've gone on how many seasons? Three. But they said they sold it at the end of season five. They didn't sell it for real. The deal fell through. It didn't sell. Oh, this is definitely fake, this show. <laughs> the thing didn't sell. Oh, my God. Even in this market, that home had a hard time. No, but she oh said it God. closed. She was like, it closed. They they closed the season with it closed. So it, it didn't literally close. didn't. I looked at the property history. It literally. Okay. Because that was a fake closing or something. Because I obviously, well, I need to know this. This isn't a little deal. That's a big deal. Look that <laughs> I up. The property records. It still hasn't sold. It's listed underneath a private. Okay. <clears throat> My problem with houses like this is the fact that they are so easily manipulated because they will only be listed underneath our listings and under certain websites. You can't like find it on Zillow or like Redfin or a normal place that people would look for houses. So it's very easy to manipulate saying, oh, it's closed. They take it off the market for two to three weeks, come back with a new price or something. And let's say it's 74 now. And then they're like, okay, it's a new market, new listing. or And then they restage the entire thing. And it's a brand new house, essentially. Because that's what they did. Wow. Okay, so... He's the lead. Okay. So Jeff is the lead strategic point person for many of Icon's largest clients. Icon Media Direct is the company his mother founded, Nancy Lascani. She started the company in 2000. And and so let's see. Yes. And also let's get, well, you're pulling that up. Let's talk about the fake phone call of the season for a second. Oh my God. The fake phone call. Please talk about that. Okay, first of all, let's just say Samsung and Oreo were sponsoring the season. I'm Who just was? Samsung and Oreo were sponsoring the season. I swear I thought it. it was like wherever you turned, you just see Nabisco. <laughs> Are you serious? Wait, so they were pu- putting that product on in the show? 
I yeah, didn't notice that. One of their laptops, I think one time when you look at one of their laptops, it just had the Nabisco logo, logo on one of their laptops one time. Oh my God, I didn't even know. Okay, so they did a, te- you know, I was in product placement for like, you know, 10 years and yeah. I was one of the biggest. And I will tell you this, they did the crappiest product placement for Oreo. I'd be like, give me my money back. But um, the phone calls that were made, the close-ups on the phone <laughs> when they're doing deals, that's good. I like that placement. That was so fun. They were doing this like uh, Samsung's new like flip phone thing or whatever. That was so funny. It was just you like, mean, okay. what do you mean flip phone? They have a flip phone? Like, what is this, yeah, the 80s like, again? What the hell? Yeah, they're doing flip phones again. What? Yeah, you can go spend $1,200 on a flip phone. This yeah. is so, so bad. Okay, I have to look into that. That's just weird. Um, that would be like, I'd be like, oh, you don't need this phone. And I would like toss it if I found it in my house. I it's see, old. Like, I love it when they're just like, and Christine, I mean, you know, it works for Christine's character, like Miss Strauss. You know, she's there, she's like, Wait, sorry, Christine Quinn. Like she did it too. She was like very like closing of the phone. Like this girl was really trying to bring back the two thousands with her outfits this season too, and she was like <laughs> just closing it right after. I mean, it made sense for her character, but again, I think that just goes to show you that it's more of a character that she's literally living like a two thousands Mean Girl from like you know the movie Mean Girls. You know, well, I, I, I and I yeah, she totally comes off like that, but she does it so well. God, she does it so well. She does it so well because it's such a character. That, yeah, um, it's such a character. Chelsea did good as our sidekick, mean girl, sort of, not really, but kind of. Um, I, I wanted okay, so I'm looking at the website for Icon Media Direct, and it's a media buying plant uh firm. So that's what they do. So basically the way a media planning and buying company works, they uh, will take somebody's you know, budget for whatever they want to put it into advertising wise. And then they'll take a percentage of the overall budget to do a media plan and then execute and make sure the media plan happens in the way that, that it's supposed to, because it's obviously very difficult to audit across, you know, podcasts and radio stations, social media and, um, and commercials. So that's how they made their dough. Um, and his mom, Nancy, uh, Lascani was named a top 20 dynamic CEO, uh, for her company. Uh, I don't know what, what that means, but okay. And, um, they're, they were named, uh, by, uh, digital best app marketing company, Los Angeles, the best app marketing company. So they, they must be in the FinTech, uh, you know, like application space. Yeah, exactly. Um, that they're, they're doing like apps and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I guess it's feasible that he's making, uh, a few million a year, but I'd, I'd say mom's helping. Um, yeah. <laughs> just saying mom's helping. Yes. Yeah. I'd say, I'd say that's happening. Okay. So here's the thing I was wondering about, uh, on the show. Do you know anything about Mary Fitzgerald's husband? She's the one that used to go out with, uh, the, the owner of, O, you know, group. I, okay. The only thing I was able to find, cause again, this was in preparation for the episode, um, I couldn't find anything, but I like for most of these people on the show, I couldn't, but I like, especially in her case, 
I couldn't find legitimately almost anything about them before the show, which is really strange. It is weird. You know, I know I normally like again, I'll find blog posts. I remember like Teresa Judas, I once found like a 2006 article about her and like Joe do throwing like a party on their street or something like that. So for me to find legitimately almost next to nothing about them was so weird. It is weird. If you look at Mary Fitzgerald, the vice president's bio, it's so short. It says it like all the others that are lesser than her have these really long bios. Hers is like three small paragraphs. Which in like in my experience, that means it's either two things. She's paid someone to scrub almost everything of hers off the internet. Netflix paid something to scrub something off the internet so they won't find something. Or she just wasn't really all that important and it's just kind of made up. She looks like she was from Europe. Then I checked, like, it's funny that you mentioned Europe because I checked digital databases, not just for the United States, but like on like French websites. Because sometimes because if a website is like .co or .uh, France or dot Australia or something like that dot AU you know something like that it won't always show up so then I was checking global archives and again just for her I just still couldn't find very much oh my god I know so much about her already are you ready <laughs> yes okay so I found out some information about Mary Fitzgerald okay so yes. Mary actually lived in New York and London and she worked at Nick Candy's company, Candy Brothers. Now, Nick is like this young, very like, I don't know. He was like a mega bachelor in London. He's so rich. You can't even get your hands around how rich. I mean, he's beyond rich, beyond. And he's a huge real estate developer in London. Anyway, she worked on one Hyde Park with him. Now, where this is in reality world incestuous is Nick Candy, one of the brothers of Candy Brothers. Um, he's married to Holly Valance. And Holly Valance was trying out to be uh, a real housewife of Beverly Hills housewife. And yep. it was rumored that she didn't make the cut, but that she was going to be a friend of. But I don't know if that actually ended up happening because it kind of like it got legs and I was like really looking like it was going to happen. And then it died. So maybe she decided she wasn't into it, or maybe we're going to see her show up with uh, Diana Jenkins. Right. But what's interesting is that Mary Fitzgerald being involved with Candy Brothers and Nick Candy would be very social in the London scene. So it's weird to me that Mary Fitzgerald didn't know Chelsea on Selling Sunset from London because it's a small town. Right. Yes, it really is like it's a socialite town and everybody knows everybody. So like oddly, Mary is in like a very exclusive clique in London if Nick Candy and her are still in touch. And so the like I really wonder now about Chelsea because Chelsea's coming off like she's kind of like, you know, super dialed. From coming from like England, but uh, you know, why wouldn't Mary already know her or have heard of her? She met him. She met her husband on Tinder. I remember them saying that on the show. I don't believe that. You don't believe they met on Tinder? No, I feel like, like, I feel like, okay. If they met on Raya, they would have said they met on Raya, you know? Well, Raya is the way that, uh, 
you heard the, the, the stuff about that, right? I mean, that's yeah. been pretty widely talked about. Raya, yeah. I know. You want to tell the story? Of, yeah. So Raya was like an app meant for celebrities. And it was like people who actually were celebrities used it like three years ago. So, you know, the, the gossip was that Ben Affleck texted Emma Hernan and they covered it on the show. Like she's actually telling, I guess, um, she's telling Chriselle that like, look, here's the text messages that Ben Affleck sent me. And I guess it was right before Ben Affleck hooked up with JLo again. Yeah. So during COVID and, you know, she goes on to say that, you know, Emma goes on to say that, you know, she's always like hit on by fuckboys on Rhea. Um, yeah. So like, is Raya work? Raya? Okay. It does not work. Like everyone, like, okay. I've had friends who are on it and I know like, if you want a code, I can hook you up here people. Cause it's like referral. It's like clubhouse. So, oh, you can't just go on. Right now. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's like an invite thing and it costs like $10 a month. It's ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. Come on now. $10 Casey. I did it for <laughs> what was it's for a dating app. I can just get on any other app and there's not, it's not like there's like a bunch of celebrities on here. There's like maybe 10. Okay. Yeah. Tell me right now. Like, is there any celebrity on Raya right now? You've got it open. Legitimately Casey. none. Are you not Le- paying I, the $10? I, <laughs> no, I, I got rid of that years ago. And it banned it, but they could, they started trying to bring in way too many people. And then they, it became like not exclusive. So people were like, okay, what's the point? It was kind of supposed to be this kind of way to meet celebrities or whatever. And then you're like, okay, well, you can't anymore. So. I mean, that's so lame, like meeting celebrities like that. I mean, you, there's only one way to meet celebrities and that's just to hang out at the hotspots and pray they talk to you. <laughs> yeah, that's not lame at all. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's the normal way. <laughs> no, Dana, do you remember? I was like, okay, I was in New York just like a couple, a couple, like two weekends ago. I was at a restaurant called San Ambrose. If like, yeah, if I've from, heard of it. Yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're from New York, you've definitely heard of it. Yeah. Or like if you're familiar with like Upper East Side life. And like I was with there with a friend and I was like, oh my God, I wonder if we'll see a celebrity sighting here. Cause like I always hear about people like at San Ambrose. And I was like, okay, first of all, the only celebrity you're gonna see here is maybe a Wall Street hedge fund guy. Because if you wanted to see real celebrities, you would have to go to the downtown location. And if anybody would ever like any tips and tricks, if you want to do a celebrity sighting in New York, I know the places, but like you wanna go to like you want to go to like the Lower East Side, like again, for the West Village, it's just go to any Italian restaurant in the West Village. Um, via, via Carota, you'll, I swear to God, you'll see an indie filmmaker there every time you go. Or, or well, it's because back. the Tribeca Film Festival is down in that like, you know, area. And so a lot of production companies you know, in film companies that are owned by New York based celebrities, uh, you know, they hang out and they live down there now because it's like the production hub of New York, I guess, for film and stuff. But most of them seem to like sexually assault the girls they're with. So (laughs) I'm not sure I want to meet a celebrity down in the West village anymore, you know, from my research anyway. Um, so I guess, let's see. So Maya Vander gets uh, pregnant again and she's now leaving the show, but she's still on the website. Yeah. The French girl. So what do you think? What's it, any gossip on her? 
No, except, um, no, legitimately nothing. Yeah. I, she lives in Miami. I've never heard of her. No, okay. nor did I. Yeah. Never heard of her in Miami. So whatever. Um, let's see. Chriselle. Let's talk about Chriselle. What do you think of her? Um, other than her name is kind of stupid. Nothing much. <laughs> so what you feel I. OK, so Chriselle's. Well, you know, the know, story about her name, though, right? No, yes. I want to know everything about Chriselle. Get into it, Casey. Give it to okay. us. When she was still dating Justin Hartley, he went on Chelsea Handler's talk show on Netflix and uh, they had either just gotten married or. I don't know what why he brought her up at all. Maybe she was going to do the um, reality show. And so he just brought her up and um, Chelsea Handler was like, oh, that's a really interesting name. Like, what what's the story behind that? And he said, well, when she when her mom was um, headed to the hospital to give birth to her, uh, she had to stop at a shell station. And the guy who helped her was named Chris. Stop it. (laughs) Stop it. That is what he said. And Chelsea had like a really hard time not laughing at him. Like it was was pretty awkward. I bet you could Google it and find it. It's 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 a good interaction. Oh my gosh. Well, the most white trash thing I've ever heard. I'm so sorry. Well, I mean, she's had a lot of work done. Uh, I hate to be shady, but when the sisters came on the show, they were very pretty. I'm not saying they weren't, but like she did not look like their sister anymore. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. See, Dana, this is where I have to contradict you for a second. On reality shows, I love it where you look at the sister and you're like, you can't tell if it's the mom, the grandma, the sister. You can't tell if they're related. That's my favorite kind of reality star. I love that. I love it when you show the two. My favorite, if you see Vicky Gonvilson with her sister, they don't look recognizable. You would think that they were friends or something. And it's like, that it's, bad, huh? It's so bad because Vicky gets so much work done. Oh, my God. I, well, yeah. I'm going to be like them soon. Okay. I, I, but I'm going to be really proud and loud about it. I'm going to be like today I'm getting my neck done and a facelift. And when I come out, you will no longer recognize me. <laughs> All right. So say goodbye Are to you this. Getting it done in Mexico. No, stop. I, I don't know where I'm going to get it done yet. I, I was looking I at Dr. Diamond. Dr. Diamond is good. It looks like. Um, I'm also going to do that, Dana. And the thing that I want to get next, which I hear is like the thing to do is pro-fractional laser treatment. Okay. That, yes. That's also, if you bullshit, do- Casey. That's like all that crap is bullshit. What the do only you mean? thing that really, yeah, no, no, like no, no. Have you seen everything. the before and afters of these lasers? Okay. Give it to me. Right. I think I did it. Give me the laser name again. I was <laughs> going to tell you. When did you do it? I, what do you think? I just sit here and pine away in a closet. Yes, I do. <laughs> On a treadmill, missing our podcasts. <laughs> I know I did miss my podcast tonight. I have a gym now, so I'm working out. Oh, you know? that's I'm, fun. I'm trying to look hot again. I'm going to oh. fix everything. Listen, I, I've, I, I definitely am going to be only married to my gossip and be alone for the rest of my life as a broken woman. But I want to look hot doing it. So at least I have the ego trip of being like people wanting to like hit on me and I can go, no, like right now, not happening so much. <laughs> All right. So All right. Um, my best, if, for, if you guys do want skincare recommend, 
I recommend Dr. Journey Dusori uh, Skin and Laser in London. It's right on a Blandford Street. It's okay. And I'm not getting paid to say this again. Literally, the treatments are insane. Again, there's probably not a better doctor in London, in my opinion. So we should uh, look at the before and afters. What is the the laser you just were talking about, Case? It's going to drive me nuts. Uh, pro-fractional treatment, laser treatment, I think. See, like maybe for like someone your age, like 10, mm. <laughs> it does something. Um, Have you ever done the inner peels? Those are nice. Oh, it like totally messes your face up. For yeah, for a couple of weeks, but I mean the results afterward. Oh my well, god! Well, I I haven't done this actually. This like major red yeah, face. Yeah, it's, it's major. Yeah, and then wow. also okay, one of my it. favorite ones. If anyone has like skin coloring, like did they want to even out their texture or I skin do. color? All right, then I recommend. Then you can do the layer lasering, or like some doctors are going to call it uh, what you called. It's going to be like layer lasering for photo rejuvenation. Um, they call it sign, Sinusure Palma or Paloma. Sorry, Paloma. There we go. Like the drink. Yeah. Okay. So now that you guys have shared your beauty secrets, um, <laughs> I want to do a quick dive and I'm going to give a shout out to Bravo Bone Collector on this because she did so good on a few uh, things that she figured out. Pretty epic stuff. Anyway, she, uh, she found out that there were, Christine had an open house that was in episode four and this house that she, I guess, showed um, had not been on the market since 2013. So it wasn't really listed ever. And uh, the only way that it was noted uh, on any website was as a shoot location. And then uh, there was another uh house that she found that was, uh, appeared on episode nine and it was Christine and Chelsea's preview. And that house, uh, actually was not listed for sale. Although on the show, it said that it was listed for 20 million. It was only listed for rent for 135,000 a month. Okay. So, uh, the implication here is that the show is renting out these properties as shoot locations and then pretending that they're houses that they uh, have worked on or done. She also found uh, Micah's development that appears in episode seven and it hasn't changed hands that house since 2016. And Emma is not the listing agent publicly, which seems weird because the show would have been shot a long time ago. So Micah, the guy that's supposed to be so rich, that's good looking and kind of cheesy. He's obviously yeah. not a real guy that's really rich. That is a real estate developer. Um, also on episode two, Emma and Chriselle preview uh, for Emma's client, a five bedroom, six and a half bedroom house listed at 20, almost 24 million. And that house is still for sale. But the listing agent is Ravel Real Estate. So it's not, you know, the O group. <clears throat> also, um, on episode five, Chris Shell's 10 million Beverly Hills listing um, sold on October 4th of 2021. And the listing agent was Brett. Chris Shell was not on the listing. Okay. So this was like a big focal point 
of the entire show. So I want to stop for a minute and say that I, I watched this whole thing with Chris Shell and Jason over this stupid house and it wasn't even her listing. Okay. And remember yeah. he like throws her a bone. If she can go through the doggy door and he'll give her an extra hundred K or whatever, if she can get through the doggy door and her skinny ass gets through that doggy door with no problem. And then he's like, okay, I'm not going to give you a hundred K and hurt the client. So what I'll do instead is I'll just like give you more of your commission. Well, she wasn't on the, on the listing. Um, on episode 10, Thomas Bryant's new house, um, which I guess the history shows at 4.8, it was sold for 4.8 million on August 31st, 2021. Chriselle and Jason represented the buyer uh, on that one, um, but they only rented the house for 24,000 a month and the listing was Normand and Associates. So that wasn't that great. Um, so then there's the uh, Brett and Jason's dad, dad's house, which showed up on season five, episode eight. They were putting like, we've got to sell this house and all this stuff. Anyway, that one leased on October 12th, 2021 for 14500 a month. And Jason was the listing agent on the dad's house. Um, and then uh, Heather sells a house on episode says seven of season five, the it sold on May 4th, 2021 for 2,175,000. And Jason and Heather uh, were the listing agents on that one. So that has some legitimacy, but it was a, a very inexpensive house. So that's kind of the highlights. There were way more, but so basically every, every house bottom line that was researched, there was something that was just not true about it. Either they weren't the listing agent, the amount of money that was involved wasn't there. It wasn't actually not at all involved in the, you know, at the O group. It was just like used as a shoot location. So in other words, I guess these things, it, you have to question how real most of these listings are. Now, some of them do seem like they were legitimate, but the majority of them, were really for TV. Yeah. Like, yeah. So crazy. So I guess the show is a lot of bullshit mixed in. So a new cast member was introduced on season four of Selling Sunset. Her name is Vanessa Vilila. And she ends up um, in season five meeting an Irish guy and you think she's leaving for the airport. Okay. She is no longer on the Oppenheim site. So she's gone for sure. Because they still have the the French girl who supposedly left this the show on the website, uh, but but the girl the other girl no she's off so she, that she's not been you know she's not coming back I don't think she's been fired uh, for being boring. You know who I liked on the show, you guys. I loved Heather Young's storyline. She married Tarek El Musa. You know, the guy from HGTV's Flip and Flop. And he had that really awful breakup with Christina Hack, where remember they had to call the cops and, and he was waving a gun and threatening, like, I guess, to like kill Christina. Anyway, yeah. she has this really happy marriage and like he's so romantic and all this stuff. 
And uh, they show it on the show with Tarek. And I enjoyed that part. Did you like that? I thought it was really interesting. I'm going to be honest. Again, this is coming from someone who I like learned by season five, just how fake in the story was, like how fake the stories were. So when we had like a real story, I enjoyed it more. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. And especially with like a famous psycho like him, I love it. I'm here for it. I'm like, bring him on more. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. There's not much more to say about selling sunset, frankly. Right. We're going to, we're hitting the sunset button on selling sunset. Yeah, just really quick, your verdict. Andrew, show, fake or real? Fake. Casey, your verdict? Mostly fake. Yes, okay, mine too. It's fake. All right, let's move on. Come on. So, Andrew. Yes. I heard you found something about Sutton Strack. I did. As I was, you know, looking back, it, it was, this is, uh, we're recording in early May and the Met Gala was just about two days. It was literally yesterday, sorry. And um, I was watching everything and I, you know, Sutton has been to the Met Gala. So I was thinking about it. Then I found Sutton's old blog where she details going to the Met Gala. And what I think some people forget to understand is Sutton was actually on the chair, the charity board. She wasn't co-chair, but she was on the board that did the Met Gala for the Costume Institute. And for people who are familiar with the charity world, that is incredible work. Like Sutton also sat on the board of the Guggenheim, the Met uh, Costume Institute, um, the Getty um, in Los Angeles a little bit later, um, and the Elton John AIDS, AIDS Foundation. And she has maintained a close, intimate relationship with Elton John. That's, again, the fact that this woman is a real housewife actually is insane. I yeah. can't believe it. Because <laughs> Sutton's wealth is so real. Like, yeah. it's, this is insane. But so as we go through our blog, she details her experience. And because she's co-chair, well, she's on the board, not co-chair, I should say. She's allowed to bring her phone. So that means she is photographed this entire experience. And also she photographs, um, and her blog is called Sutton's Law, and it's on Blogspot, which that's like such an ancient website. Um, I just can't believe that exists. Yeah. I know. And she's, <laughs> talking about all the, she's talking about all the galleries, like all the charity events she's going to. She's giving us a real taste of her life. And like this one, you'll see, oh, when she went to the Sotheby's um, blue um, charity auction where like she was out, where she details being outbid by Bill Clinton for $150,000, like just stuff that's just not exactly like fathomable for the everyday person. So what was the highlight of her Met Gala experience? Was the fact that she just doesn't like celebrities, that she was like, it's, you know, become a little bit more like a media frenzy and it's not really as society like wow. it was just very like she was like I like celebrities but I only like my kind of celebrities it was very hoity-toity and I love that love that wow I love it so she's a snob I love it let's go Sutton bring your snobbery we should see and- we she doesn't bring that on the show. She tries to be relatable on the show. But now, because you found this blog, we know the truth. 
which is she's really a a snob. (laughs) I feel like she was down to, I feel like, well, what I thought was that she was a snob to celebrities because celebrities were a snob to her. If that makes sense. She was like, why do celebrities think they're better than me? But like what I get and like as a person in this blog, I feel like she's trying to bring the experience to everybody because she is still a little girl from Augusta, you know? Yeah. You know, getting paid like a hundred thousand a month. Okay. <laughs> I can't, I can't believe it. She's got articles on about spring cleaning closet, cleansing the soul. Like as she shows literally also Dana, she attended second row Chanel Haute Couture shows. Wow. Wow. And, okay. If anybody listening knows anything about Haute Couture, so it goes ready to wear, which are like the regular Chanel shows where you have to, you got to spend a good amount of money to go to those. Like you're spending about a hundred thousand dollars to go to a ready to wear show. It's a lot of money, but to go to an Haute Couture show, you're spending $500,000 at Chanel on just clothing, not bags and like shoes and accessories. I mean, clothing and you are selected. They think because you're an outstanding person, we want you to wear these clothes. Like it's insane. She also attends Christian Dior Haute Couture. Like that's, that is big deal. Like, yeah. Wow. Well, I can tell you that that explains a lot as to why Sutton wanted to go on the show. Cause the one thing she was missing was fame. And obviously she felt that there was power with that and she now has it. So she's got it all now, you know, and uh, hopefully that gets, gets her where she wants to be or, or go. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of the Met, do you know why she left? No, why? So she ended up leaving because, so she stepped down and this is actually how I knew Sutton because seats on the board of the Mets Costume Institute do not open. And the fact that there was an opening put everyone like, uh, the art world is my world. I love it more than anything. And so when we heard about that and I was like, Sutton stepped down, because you know the names in passing because they're, you know, honorees, you see, you're familiar with names. And then when I heard that she was stepping down and then we later learned that it was really because of a coup, because she really is a society lady. At that time in her life, she was a society lady. And when she was just like, and it was right after the Alexander McLean exhibit, exhibit, which kind of brought more celebrities. And this was right when they were about to announce the fashion of the Asia technology exhibition and she said that was a straw that broke camel's back because i looked at the guest list and she alluded to the fact that anna wintour was an over controlling presence on the get on it which i think is completely accurate and like after mcqueen she was basically saying that yes the name is the anna wintour costume institute hall but that's not a fair representation of what it actually is i thought that was really impactful because Sutton left on her own terms because the gal because the met gala was not what she wanted Wow. That's strong. That people don't do that on their own. Like, I just want to make sure all of our listeners, anyone viewing and anyone who knows anything about the Matt Gala, Gala, then, you know, as you're sitting on that board, you just don't leave on your own terms because I mean, the women who have held that position hold the key to New York city. Yeah, totally. Wow. That's, it's so true. It's, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I've left many, you know, not that level of board, obviously, but I've left some boards that I didn't like what was going on with the charity. And I'm just like, I don't like what this is about. And when you're, you know, when you're in it and you're c- 
controlling it and you're going to all these events, it's really easy to say, screw this. And then you get off and you're like, wow, what did I do? <laughs> I know. And that's like, I know. It's like you're get, you get too much power and then you're like, you know, whoops, I, you know, she well, might regret that now. Um, but can I ask you a question? Yes. What, what was your favorite uh, outfit? And Casey, I'm going to ask you too, please. Uh, what was your favorite outfit at the Met Gala, even though it was a few weeks ago? I will start and I will say I loved Christine Baranski's. I think she perfectly encompassed the theme. She's also on a show called The Gilded Age, where she was talking about gilded glam and the theme was gilded glamour. Um, and I think she just hit the nail on the head with that. I love that so you cool. chose Christine. That's so cool. Casey? Um, Amy Schumer's. Oh, a lot well, of people said that. No, no, no. People hated it because she oh. like, didn't dress up like, at all. It was so bad. I was. The, the oh, picture, I wish someone could capture my face as uh, Casey said that. Oh, my God. Yeah, people really were pissed off. Which I don't know why she's back then. Well, why would you go, though, if you hate it? I mean, it's like. It's expensive. Of... Like, it's. Is it expensive to go? It's $30,000. Yeah. My least favorite was Kim Kardashian. Why didn't she like Kim's? She was wearing Marilyn Monroe's dress. Okay. Was it actually Marilyn Monroe's? Yes, yes, it was. It was no. the happy birthday, Mr. Kennedy dress. Happy birthday, Mr. Kennedy. How did she get her dress. hands on that? Because it's at the Ripley's Museum. And I was like, okay, first of all, she was like, she whined about her diet, which I hated that for a second. She looks so all, good though. Oh my God, she looks so good. She was like, oh, I look so good. But then she was like, oh, I didn't eat for 16 days. So I could, she was like, oh, I didn't eat for two weeks. Okay. Like, do not make that our problem. I am so sorry. As someone like, please don't like, do not subject little girls to hearing about that saying, oh, I lost so much weight to fit in this because you know what? That's great. Do that on your own terms. Don't shove it down our throats. Yeah, I agree. And then also like, I just feel like is she trying to tell us that she's having an affair with our president? That was my second question. <laughs> because Probably. we, we like, <laughs> I'm just saying, because Je- Marilyn wore that dress when allegedly she might've had a. No, little- she definitely had an affair. Yeah. We talk about that on the Patreon in depth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I wonder, is Kim trying to send a message that she's changing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's probably got a, well, she does talk to the president a lot. So yeah, probably. (laughs) I have to say that I really, my favorite dress was uh, Blake Lively's dress. I mean, she's coach her as she should. She was stunning. She had the, the crown, the emerald earrings, the like almost the mosaic looking uh, bustier. um, The reveal. Oh gosh, it was just gorgeous. It was just, it was art. And so that is that. And since Casey has left the show, <laughs> we'll go ahead and we'll make Ryan Reynolds his favorite. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh my God, that's hilarious. All right. Well, listen, a- Andrew, I, uh, I appreciate so much you during this really tough time coming on the show and having a little fun with me. And are you excited about uh, all the reunions and stuff coming up? Anything? Uh, I know it's, it's going to, this is going to come out way after the New Jersey reunion, but anything you're excited about? I am excited for the start of Beverly Hills. I'm excited for the um, New Jersey was, well, 
Do you know why New Jersey was so short this season? Why? Louie, th- this is how controlling Louie is. He threat. he was going to, he was loitering it over like Teresa's. He was holding it over Teresa's head saying, I didn't like your treatment. I think you should quit. And so they were like, so we should pause filming. And that's what happened till the reunion. Well, Teresa is like slowly ripping apart the show. I mean, she's she's the reason that Jackie got downgraded. So obvious. She's probably not going to let Marge come back. She's going to try to sabotage Marge unless producers block her. And this is going to back. It's going to backfire because people really fell for Jackie this season. Like, I know, I know. And, um, you know, and Melissa and her have publicly had a complete breakdown at this point. They're not even like family. So, and everybody knows Dolores isn't really close with Teresa anymore. So like, who does Teresa have left? Nobody. Nobody. And I'm sorry, Teresa, but nobody doesn't have a show. Yeah. Cause she can't, she needs the people to play off of for sure. All right. So you want to say your goodbyes, Casey to Andrew? Bye, Andrew. Miss you. Love you. Yes, it's so great talking to you. Andrew, I'll be talking to you like early next week, okay? All right, no problem. Yes. Love you. Bye.